Welcome to the number 10 podcast. We talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer in U.S. Soccer. I'm your host, Logan Agin. On today's episode, I'm once again joined by Abigail Gerken, the head of women's soccer coverage for Switch the Pitch. We talk about the NWSL, what happened for the league in 2020, and what we can look forward to in 2021. Now, please note that we recorded this interview before it was announced that Mallory Pugh would be moving to the Chicago Red Star, so we do not talk about that in this episode. And now for my interview with Abigail Gerken. Today on the Number 10 Podcast, we're joined again by Abigail Gerken to talk about the NWCL 2020 season and everything that happened. So how are you doing today, Abigail? I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. It's, you know, it's it's getting by Christmas, so it's always a good time. Um, so I think to start off, I would just love to just get into it and talk about 2020 for the NWSL because it was the first league back. It was the, it basically started off this whole idea of a bubble. So let's just start talking about the Challenge Cup. So what, what, what about the Challenge? Talk to me about the Challenge Cup and what you saw from it. The Challenge Cup was a very interesting kind of experiment that worked out really well for the NWSL. It brought so much viewership and so much so that they want to do it again next year. Um, And the main takeaway I got from the Challenge Cup is that it was a great place for NWSL players who do not have um, national affiliation or like all-star status um, to really shine because a lot of the high profile players in the league um, decided to step back rightfully so because it is a pandemic. Um, So it felt like it was regular NWSL play during the World Cup. Um, We got to see a lot of players who want to break into the national team really shine. Um, And it was awesome to get a new champion. The Houston Dash, it's their first ever trophy. They did amazing. Um, Christine Lewis, Rachel Dolly, it was super fun to watch. That team is very promising and did very well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. And it definitely was exciting to see a new winner emerge leading up to the tournament. Everything I was reading and talking about was just like, why is North Carolina Courage going to win this again? Right. I think it was a pleasant surprise when they got eliminated by Portland and then we got a new winner. So one player, you mentioned Christy Mewis and Rachel Daly of the Houston Dash, but there was a lot of players who stepped up in this tournament. Who Could you talk a little bit about some of the players that emerged and any thoughts you have on them? Yeah, so um, for anyone listening, Chicago is my team. So I have to give a shout out to Sarah Gordon and Brianna St. George. They really surprised me. Um, they, they're both playing, Sarah Gordon was playing center back and St. George was playing outside back and they both got into the attack, held it down, played very solid and very smart. And I, for Sarah Gordon, I think it was a great, a great performance. And it got the attention of Vladko, the U.S. Women's National Team coach, and she broke into a camp, which is awesome. She's one of my favorite NWSL players, so I was really happy to see that from her. Um, from Utah, which is now uh, moved to Kansas City, 
Brittany Radcliffe, she played very good. Um, she's a forward, she's younger. She, I could see the partnership developing between her and Amy Rodriguez. And Amy Rodriguez is full of knowledge and experience. And I could really see how Rodriguez was guiding Radcliffe um, during those games. And she seems very promising. And I cannot wait to see her light up the league next year. And finally, from my hometown team, uh, Shirley Cruz, the Costa Rican international from the OL range. She did amazing. Um, she's really a, like a good 8-10 playmaker. And it was exciting to see her dice up everybody and um, score a couple goals. Yeah, it, I think that was, like you said, that was the exciting part about the Challenge Cup is just seeing all these players emerge. And we saw that even more during the fall series. So I think that I'd love to hear your thoughts about the fall series. That's where we first saw Sophie Smith get her first minutes as a professional. So what did you see coming into the fall series? Um, yeah, I saw that Portland remained dominant and they really flew above the rest. I mean, getting three wins and one tie in such in a league full of parity is crazy. And also Houston kept their reign and they performed well. They came in, wanted to do good. And yeah, it was very interesting. Um, a lot of players did well and it was um, really cool to see the team start to form and get back from the challenge cup and kind of get back into a sense of normalcy, which um, I know must have been really hard for the athletes in 2020, not having a normal season, you know, going into a bubble, playing a couple games and going back home and playing maybe four games. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I, one of the most interesting parts about it was right before the Challenge Cup, like you mentioned, players only got four games with their teams in this fall series. So we saw a lot of national team players move abroad in yes. to get opportunities. So what were your thoughts on that and how a bunch of these players have been doing? Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. It's kind of something unprecedented that we're seeing normally. Um, the U.S. women's national team, their identity is rooted in the domestic league. You know, that's one of the things that um, really roped me into the league. I started getting into the U.S. women's national team and women's soccer in about 2014, 2015. And I was just amazed that you could see everyone like I could go up to Memorial Stadium in Seattle and see all these people I'm watching on my TV like every week, you know, I met Julie Ertz and Christian Press and stuff. And that's one of my favorite things about the league. So it's very interesting that people are moving abroad to Europe, but you know, unprecedented times um, means things change up a little bit. Um, I noticed that Tobin Heath is doing very good at Manchester United. She's killing it. She's uh, scoring a lot of goals, a lot of bangers. Um, and she seems to be doing really well. Um, Rose Lavelle is at Manchester City and she 
she's doing okay. She's coming off of an injury. I believe it's a hamstring and she does not seem to be utilized because um, we all know Rosa Bell is an amazing player, but the coach at Manchester City doesn't seem to be playing her in her position and not giving her a lot of time to shine, which is unfortunate because she's such an amazing player that we want to see her grow. But if she's not getting that overseas at her club, it's time to come home. Yeah, that's very interesting with her because there is Sam Mewis who's there as well. And Sam Mewis has really performed very well. She won U.S. Women's National Team Player of the Year, but it's just not clicking at City for Lavelle. And I, one, one other player I want to talk about as players going abroad is Alex Morgan. So she went abroad to Tottenham Hotspur after she had her daughter in the spring. And she got, she got a few minutes over there and now she's coming back home at the new year. So what can we take away from Alex Morgan's time over at Tottenham? I think that she got everything that she wanted out of this trip. Um, I think the idea of it was to come back from maternity leave, go over there, force yourself to be uncomfortable playing with new players, new coaches, a new style of play and break into the team and get fit overseas. And I think she did that and she did amazing. And it is, it's always so admirable to see players come back from maternity leave. Like Amy Rodriguez has done it twice. Cindy LaRue has done it twice. It's, it's remarkable in my opinion. And Coming back to Orlando is will be great for Orlando because as we saw that they finished eighth in the fall series, it was obvious that something was missing. And I believe that something was Alex Morgan. Um, it's going to be awesome to have her back and hopefully in her best shape. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how Orlando bounces back in the next competition in 2021. Yeah. So as we wrap up the the conversation about what happened this past year, there were some moves that happened in the past few weeks with a couple of players that stayed in the NWSL, such as Crystal Dunn moving from the North Carolina Courage to the Portland Thorns, and then Kelly O'Hara moving from the Utah Royals to the Washington Spirit. So what can people glean from these moves? Yeah, um, the one thing that stood out to me is when I was reading through Crystal Dunn's interview, she, she's been playing as a left back for the national team and for North Carolina. And she said, I want to attack. I want to be, I want to develop as a player and really focus on my attacking game. And that's what she's going to Portland to do, which it's going to be crazy to see because Portland was so dominant in the fall series and adding one of the best women soccer players in the world, in my opinion, is one of the most versatile into their attack is just, it's going to be so lethal and so fun to see, even though they're my rival, but um, it's going to be awesome. And with Kelly O'Hara, of course, she's super experienced and I think that will help Washington Spirit. Um, they did fairly good in the fall series. They finished in third place. And I think it will be good for them to get some more experience to kind of help their young squad um, just really know what it takes to play in the NWSL and perform consistently. 
definitely one one part of this that really stood out to me and is just these moves it felt like they were very player pushed meaning that it was crystal dawn and kelly o'hara who were the ones that were that really helped make these moves possible and by their desire to go to these cities and so i think that that really just shows the power that these women's national team players have in their nwsl franchises yeah and that's really interesting um but also at this point in the growth of women's soccer is that they know that they have this leverage um they know that by making a move with crystal then to portland it's going to bring a lot of revenue she's a big name and so they're kind of using that leverage to their advantage. I know that Crystal Dent's husband is um, an athletic trainer in Portland. And so that really drives her move to go there. And it's interesting. Um, it, I'm interested to see once the gap in talent kind of is it's going up um, between the international players and just the NWSL players. Um, how much of that leverage they're going to have and how much of that push they're going to be able to make. Mm -hmm. So transitioning a little bit, I want to talk about the situation in Utah and then moving in, moving to Kansas City. And this has all been very new within the past few weeks. So just give, give my listeners a little bit of background on what the situation is and what's going on and your thoughts on it. Yeah, so um, a couple of months ago, it was released that the Utah Royals and Real Salt Lake owner um, made some very insensitive comments and racially charged um, comments about his players and other things that are happening. And it was, there was a push to remove him from ownership and he is out of ownership now. So. Our Real Salt Lake was purchased by another businessman. And however, even though the Utah Royals are an affiliate of them, they were not included in this deal. So the people who wanted to relocate this group um, are in Kansas City. So the Utah Royals are going to be moved to Kansas City, which is interesting because a couple of years ago, um, Kansas City had a women's or a women's soccer team. FC Kansas City won the league twice. Amazing. Um, but however, they were relocated. So it's kind of a redemption for women's soccer in Kansas City. And as all the SKC fans like to say that they are Soccer City USA, so it's time to prove it and really just rally behind these women and show these players this love in this hard time, you know, moving from one city to another. It's, it's a very difficult situation and I've found myself struggling because I think that the ownership move have needed to happen and actually the way Real Salt Lake they don't have a new owner yet they're oh I'm so sorry no you're you're fine it, they're getting taken over they're they're still working with someone to purchase the league so until mm. that happens starting January 1st Major League Soccer is going to run Real Salt Lake and I guess Major League Soccer decided th that they weren't going to run the Utah Royals under that. And the owner, the Long family emerged as someone interested in bringing women's soccer back to Kansas City. And then they saw this opportunity and took it. But 
I think it's just a difficult situation for fans in both Kansas City and fans in Utah. And it's just it's just hard. It's hard any time a team leads a city. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for this new Kansas City franchise is to show them is to be a team it but also be sensitive to the fan base in Utah and that some fans aren't going to move moved and support the new Kansas City team and they're going to be hurt by this and just having to work in that space along with starting a professional soccer team in a city with two to three months to prepare before they kick off. Yeah, that, um, thank you for enlightening me on the new RSL owners. I wasn't aware of that aspect. I didn't know that um, the MLS was actually taking over. That's really interesting. Um, they're still working with, they're working with people yet, but they're not going yeah. to be finalized by the end of the year. Yeah, and one thing that I noticed that was interesting in the deal is that um, the new Real Salt Lake owners, whoever they may be, will have the option to buy in a new expansion team in 2023 with the Utah Royals trademark and copyright. So we could be seeing, you know, the or the Utah Royals back in um, Salt Lake City in 2023 as an expansion team. Yeah, I saw that too. And I think that that's what is hopeful for me that someone will come along and bring this team back to the city. So moving on to other the other teams in the NWSL, we focused a lot on Utah to Kansas City and players going to Broad, but I just kind of want to take a look at all these teams as they move into 2021. And it's going to be a kind of a, a different year. They're, like you said, they're keeping the Challenge Cup, and then after that, they're going into their regular season. So what can what, what kind of sticks out for you for different teams as they get in, go into 2021? Yeah, as I mentioned before, Orlando is going to be looking um, to turn around a difficult series, hopefully with Alex Morgan um, coming back and could really spark things up front with Martha and Martha, sorry, (laughs) and Sydney LaRue. And it's going to be really interesting. And Portland is going to just look super sharp and strong and how other teams are going to combat that will be a storyline. And the um, OL Reign announced that they will be welcoming two players from their French team. So they announced or they released a statement because there were rumors that the OL Reign were trying to take um, the team out of the Pacific Northwest. And they kind of combat that and said there's no there's no um, intentions to move um, the team. We chose the Seattle Tacoma market for a reason. And at the bottom of that message, they dropped that two members from their international team or their OL in French will be in France, sorry, um, will be coming to Seattle. And it's going to be really interesting. Um, I've heard rumors that it'll be Wendy Renard, which would be amazing. Again, um, a FIFA World Best 11 player. Um, she's awesome. I. It's going to be interesting how that international experience will be infiltrated into that team and will hopefully move them up the ranks and help them have a successful season. Definitely. I think 
that it's very it's very interesting that like this this whole year we've seen our a bunch of our players go over to Europe to play, but now we're starting to see some of those big European players come to the United States to play. Now, one of the most interesting parts about 2020 and moving into 2021 has been just expansion. The NWL, we knew that we they were getting an expansion team out of Louisville and racing Louisville, who announced their branding over the summer. But we also heard about um, Angel City over the summer and that they're coming into the league in 2022 with an all-star ownership group. So talk to me a little bit about expansion and what you have seen so far. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I feel like I hop on Twitter every day and figure out a new owner of Angel City FC. Um, it is crazy talented and or it's crazy it's crazy how famous and um popular the owners are coming into the nwsl it seems like it's um going to bring a lot of attention to the league i mean you have serena williams you have david dobrik being an owner and i think overall it's pretty good for the league um you know new fans trying to check up what their favorite celebrity is doing and tune into this whole new league, um, which is an exciting opportunity. However, you know, there is a little bit of um, kind of a little bit of controversy there because you see two sides of the NWSL. You see Angel City with an abundance of new owners and so many high profile celebrities really tuning into this league. However, you see, you know, Utah struggling to find an owner, struggling to keep their team in Utah when they have infrastructure, they have fans, and it's it's hard to see, but you can't be mad that there is a lot more attention on the league. You just kind of wish that we would save Utah, you know? Yeah, that's, it's, it's a very difficult situation, but I, I, I like to look at it that, that I feel like the owners that are looking at the Angel City have ties to the LA area as opposed to Utah. So I can't necessarily blame them for that. Um, but one of the teams that's coming in next year is Racing Louisville. And I would just, what are your thoughts on where this team is as they gear up for their first season? I think my first impression is that they are young and they are having a lot of hardworking, talented young players is what I saw from their expansion draft. And I'm really excited to watch them play. The two big questions or the big questions that I'm seeing is they secured the rights to four talented players. You know, you have Crystal or Christian Press, Tobin Heath and Australian internationals, Caitlin Ford and Alana Kennedy. However, they just have the rights. That does not mean that the player is going to go to the NWSL anytime soon. They, all four of them are playing overseas. So if they do not want to play in Louisville, then they don't have to, they can stay overseas for another year. Um, which is interesting because um, I've heard that Caitlin Ford and Alana Kennedy don't really have a huge interest in coming back to the United States. You know, they wanna go play in the um, their league in Australia Australia and Christian Press and Tobin Heath haven't really said either way if they're going to be joining for the next year in Louisville. 
And it's kind of up in the air, but I think that if they get allocation money for those players, I think they're going to be okay. I think looking at their expansion draft and who they drafted, a lot of the characteristics I saw are really gritty, physical, hardworking players. Um, and I think Christy Holly's doing a great job building his team. So if they get those four players, it's going to be an amazing plus with experience and talent. But if not, I think they're going to be okay and fit into this league ball. Yeah, I think one thing with all of this is that you don't know what the plans are until they happen, especially if you're not in those conversations that they're having with other teams about picking up deals with for players and all that. So I'm hopeful that these, like, especially with the coach like Christy Holly, who is experienced in the league, that he went into it with a plan and didn't did not just go and randomly pick up players. Um, exactly. As we wrap up this conversation, I think we should bring up the college draft that's supposed to take place on January 13th. And a lot of news has broken in the past week regarding it. So just what what's going on with the college draft for the NWSL and what can people expect? Yeah, so um, due to the pandemic, uh, the NCAA moved the college women's soccer season to spring. And for the first time, um, it's kind of unprecedented, you know, having a season in the when the NWSL draft and normally players report. So what the NCAA approved is that the players can be drafted in January and defer their involvement with their club until after their senior soccer season is done. So you can get drafted and then go back to your college and play your season and then leave your season going into club, which is interesting. Um, you know, maybe a couple of months that they aren't as involved in their club. I don't know how that's going to affect them during preseason and getting, um, you know, infiltrated into a new team. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's a difficult situation. And I'm glad that they're getting their opportunity to play their senior season. As someone who played college soccer, I think that no, there's something special about playing college soccer. And once you go and play, play professional, and you're starting to pay for your paycheck, it's, very different so I'm glad that they're getting that this that the NCAA made this move to allow them to compete at the college level and then still get the opportunity to move to the professional level yes well thank you so much for talking to me Abigail about the NWSL and what people can expect going into 2021 um how can where can people find you where can people read your work Yes, um, you got, thank you for having me. Um, I love chatting about the NWSL and U.S. soccer, and I'm really excited for this upcoming year. Um, you can find me on Twitter at AbigailGurkin22, and you can follow my NWSL and U.S. soccer coverage on Switch the Pitch under the tag Abigail Gherkin. Um, we are a female-owned and operated um, MLS and U.S. soccer blog. And I am the lead uh, women's soccer coverage, um, or I take the lead in women's soccer coverage. So come join our Switch the Pitch family and really just see soccer from a different perspective. Thank you so much. Yes.
Thank you. Thanks again to Abigail for joining me on today's show. Make sure you check out her writing that will be linked in the show notes. We'll be sure to have Abigail back closer to the start of the NWSL season for a deeper preview. And thank you for listening to the Number 10 Podcast. Please make sure you like, rate, review, and share with your friends. Till next time.